Life, Life Happens, happens with, with Pinelo Motile. Well, thank you very much for staying with us. Her story now is going to be with us until 2.30. And I'm joined by a historian, someone who is going to help us look at that historic uh, march that was uh, on the 9th of August, 1956, led by women. And uh, my guest this afternoon is Ndomzukona Velala, uh, who is a PhD historian, and uh, she's from WITS. And uh, I just want to say thank you very much for affording us the time to look down this this very painful, but I suppose victorious moment in our history. Ntoms Khan, hi. Hi, Pamela. Thank you for having me. It's Valela, by the way. It's Valela. That's your surname? Yes. yes. All right. And thanks very much for correction there. Just... Just when you reflect on this moment, and I know it's difficult. It's, you know, it's difficult when you reflect after a long, long time. Does it mm. feel like a victorious moment for you? What, what kind of immediate emotions come at you? I think, firstly, uh, it's quite frustrating that you know the the, the women's march of 9th August um, is sort of you know highlighted as though it were an anomaly mm. in. Uh, in our nationalist history, in the anti-apartheid history, and yet when you actually go into um, when you go into the the archive and you look at women who obviously have been erased in the more mainstream history, um, so the the history that is taught at curricula in, in, at curricula across schools, or even with documentaries that we see that are available on our television screens and so on, um, you start to realize that, it's actually, that there has actually been a long tradition, a long-standing tradition of resistance mm-hmm. among black women in South Africa. So whenever I think uh, of, the, of the, the Women's March of 1956, I can never remove that moment. And I think this, this, as, we, as we have this conversation today, I think listeners should actually, you know, um, should never remove this particular moment from a, a, a historic women's march of a similar vein mm. that took place uh, a few decades before in, on the 13th of October 1918, which was led by women like Charlotte Matlick. Um Sort of in the same vein, it took place in Bloemfontein. So what you see um, when you look at these histories, when you thread everything together, when you unearth the history of women's resistance, you start to see that there has just been a long tradition of black, in particular, radical women constantly mobilizing against oppression. Mm. I mean, you speak of 1918, and we could even go further back, 1913, when this yes. similar kind of protest happened in the Free State. Yes. And and in fact, the Women's March uh, was victorious mm. because the, the idea of the laws being introduced was sort of now reverted and that didn't take place. So you, you're quite right in saying that the history is quite deep and, and it had been victorious, actually, in many yes. spaces. Yes. Indeed. So, I mean, this one, it stands out. Why? Why was why does this one stand out as if the others didn't happen? Perhaps it stands out because right now at that moment, it's happening um, at a time where, you know, state repression or repression in general has just been legislated. Mm. You know, and a lot of a lot of the acts, um, apartheid acts are coming into effect. I mean, uh, a year before it is the Group Areas Act. So people are already, so you definitely see, you know, a very real and legalized onslaught against uh, 
the majority population of South Africa. So there's definitely a, a sort of um, uh, a realization and an awareness as well of of the importance of mobilizing for change. And I think also we have to think about what's happening on the continent as well, because you have, you know, you, 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 you're starting to see a wave of decolonization and independence. And people in South Africa are also aware of that. And so you find that, you know, in organizations like the ANC um, are, are, are taking on a different approach to their activism. They're taking on a more nationalist, an African nationalist approach to it, as, you know, as espoused by people like Aping Da and so on, um, in addition to Nelson Mandela and so on, right? And then there is, there's, there's things happening beforehand, and I actually want to center Mam Lilian Ngoyi at this particular mm. point. So a year before, Mam Lilian Ngoyi becomes... Among, like the first uh, uh, black woman to be smuggled out of uh, out, out of the country under a pseudonym, and she attends the Congress of Women in Switzerland. Um, so this is unheard of before to have a black woman be smuggled out of the out of the country from Cape Town Harbour and so on to go attend this type of thing. So there's this awareness from from on the women's side through FEDSO, um, of which. Lillian Goye was a leader, that whenever we think about struggles, firstly, the world clearly is in a space where we are decolonizing, we're thinking about, uh, about the global south and Africa in particular, and also the fact that there's this, this, this issue of apartheid that is you know, a domestic issue that women are definitely affected by because you have the issue of migrancy and movement. The past laws were sort of trying to limit uh, were, had already succeeded in limiting men's movements um, in urban areas, and then it starts to get passed on to women again. So, so this activism that has long been there from 1913 onwards starts to resurface again. And by this, but this time, mm. there is this understanding of a legislated onslaught against uh, black and brown people. And also around the 50s, from 1952 with the defiance campaign, you know, you have this, this sense of awareness that, you know what, this is the decade of defiance. This is the decade of hopefully bringing about something new. And you have uh, women of various colors and creeds, mm. you know, coming together under this benefit. So their mother bodies, you know, whether it's the Indian Congress or, or, the, or the African National Congress, already, you know, creating a- allyships uh, with one another. And so there's this very clear, you know, intention mm. to create, uh, to, 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 to disobey, to disobey this illegal, yet legal system in order to bring about a better society, in order to bring about a more just society. And also before that is the Freedom Charter, but the, the, the drafting of the Freedom Charter a year before as, as well. So all of these things, you know, are sort of in... So, 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 so when you think of the, the 9th August March, all of these things, you realize that it's in tandem with all that is happening in the 1950s of active uh, um, activism towards you know, dismantling something that is clearly, that that people are clearly aware of is a damaging system. So, you know what is interesting? Um, When you speak about this uh, decade of defiance, what we don't talk about as well is that in as much as these these laws had been instituted, right, we we also see the flaws in in the oppressor in trying to get all these things happening. So the law, yes, was instituted in 52, but it only took, you know, it took them only until 54 when they would issue the actual permit. So they wanted it, but they didn't quite know how to do the whole thing so that it works. So I can understand how the 
attitudes of those in defiance were were also a little bit you know there was this i'm sure a sense of victory about when we march when we are together things do come together because there were failures in the apartheid system itself yes there were and i think you know it's also important as you've you know as you've alluded to you know the highlighting of you know a sense of unity among uh black people you know across you know the so-called you know racial lines and so on um the sense that we need to exploit because i mean apartheid is about sort of it's a divide and conquer system so there was the sense of awareness that you know what there needs to be we need to cling to our unity for dear life because mm-hmm. it's the one way in which we can at least stop um at, 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 you know as, at, or rather not stop but rather derail mm-hmm. the process of of complete oppression even though at, at moments it failed it clearly failed because i mean uh, uh, it a lasted from 1948 until 1990 mm. but there are these moments of clear derailment mm. you know and women are actively a part of it because i mean two years later women march again in 1958 yeah. so there's definitely a clear you know sense of understanding and awareness that if we cling to each other. Steve Legal says we need to cling to each other with a tenacity that will uh, that will astonish the oppressor. So there's this understanding of of, of 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 unity. Whatever happens, whatever is going to unfold in the years to come, we need to stick together because that's the one way that we will derail the oppressor. So, so in terms of, let's go to the moment, right? So they decide to ask um, J.G. Stratum for a meeting. Nobody wants to meet with them. Then they decide to then obviously embark on the march to deliver their petitions. But I mean, I'm just imagining now the feeling on the day. So the camaraderie that you speak of, where everybody came out in their glory, dressed up, number one. Number two, also, you know, kind of with children on their backs and so on, of their employers' backs. I can't imagine what that must have felt like. But mm. when nobody meets them at that moment at J.G. Stratum's office, nobody is there to receive their uh, their petition. And and again, leading to Mam Ngoye's pro- prominence, saying at that moment, okay, let's have a moment of silence. I just wonder what that meant. That moment of silence for what, half an hour, I'm told? I think what that meant... Whenever I, I reflect on that, firstly, the fact that no one would meet them, let's begin there. Mm. Um, it exposes the, the cowardice of white supremacy. Um, because now here you are, you have these peaceful women mm. that are here to speak with you, with their petitions. You know, they, they're, they're taking a very legal route to this, you know. Um, we're going to come speak with you and have a conversation. What was so scary about that? Firstly, mm. um, you are brave enough to uh, to oppress an entire nation, and yet four, I'm sure, very petite women scare you uh, in have, uh, from having an actual conversation because it actually because that actually speaks to the senselessness mm. of the very system itself. Mm. Uh, there is absolutely no reason why people can't coexist in this land. You know, at that, when we're talking about that particular time, even though even in our contemporary space, we tend to see racism rear its ugly head, both on a domestic, uh, at a domestic level and also at an international level, if we think of the shootings that are taking place in the United States. Mm. So it, 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 it speaks to a very real cowardice to, um, uh, on the part of, you know, 
uh, of, of J.G. Stratum. And it also, uh, the, the moment of silence, also probably speaks to what the next step would be. Mm. Because obviously this is not really what was planned. So there's, we, we've hit a, a sort of a point where we now need to, to sort of ad-lib what we're going to do now, mm. what we're going to do next. Mm. But I think that's an important, but also the silence speaks to, you know, the importance of reflection in mm. movements. Mm. Let's take a moment. Let's reflect. We're here now. Um, what's the next step? Because I'd just also like to take to, to take us back a little bit. When we think of some of the women that were involved mm. in the march, people like Margaret Gazo, mm. who was um, born in 1918. It's quite interesting. We had a centenary for Nelson Mandela, but no one seems to know who Margaret Gazo is, mm. who also had a centenary. But anyway, um, when she and and her and her delegation of women were marching to the Union buildings, they were shot at, and some of them had to retreat. Because of that, we always think about the live ammunition that was used. I mean, in those moments, we think of the 1960 Pan-African March um, of, 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 um, of, 21, of 21 March. Um, and yet we don't talk about the fact that there were women who were probably shot at and some of them might have been injured and they had to retreat. So even that moment of silence with women like M- Margaret Gazo and her delegation who continued, even though there were some that ran away and rightly so, because they, they felt endangered in that moment. Mm-hmm. That moment of silence is a moment of understanding, a moment of reckoning too of what the journey ahead is going to look like. Mm-hmm. If we're dealing with people, uh, I mean, the defiance campaign was a peaceful campaign on the part of the oppressed. So if we're dealing, so in that moment of silence, you're thinking, if I was one of those women, I'd be thinking, okay, some of our comrades have been shot at in this moment. Mm. And now we have a a prime minister who's not willing to meet with us Mm. at the same time. What does that say for the future of our country, for the future of our well-being as as women um, across the color line, um, especially, uh, and I'm speaking particularly of Indian colored and black women, um, what is the future going to look like? You know, it's a moment maybe of, of, of it's, it's probably even an ominous moment when we think back. I mean, as historians, we try to, you know, to try and create sort of every kind of scenario that we can when we look at archives. So you're thinking, is it an ominous moment? Is it a, is it a moment where, you know, we're going to foresee greater uh, ugly responses um, to what we've seen as women marching in 1956? And... If that is the, and if those women were thinking that, then they were absolutely spot on because we see an increase of violent responses to uh, to, to, to peaceful protest. Dom Valela, who is a Vitz historian, just taking us back to the March of 1956. And uh, I would encourage you to dig deeper and, and try and find out more about that march as we commemorate the 9th of August. Just gone to 2.30. Let's get the very latest in headlines with Udzile Sako.